Science fiction has never imagined so strange or terrifying a story as that of the village of Midwich, England, cut off from life as we know it by some mysterious force. And later, at one and the same time, a child was born to every woman in the village. Children that grew to look like this. Beautiful youngsters behind whose fiery, hypnotic eyes lurked the demon forces of another world. They're not human. They ought to be destroyed. Forces put to such sinister use that it became a national emergency. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists, as government experts. Have we established anything about the origins of these children? There is a possibility of the transmission of energy. Let me get this straight. You imply that these children may be the result of impulses directed towards us from somewhere in the universe. What we need is time to investigate. Are you aware of life on another planet? Why are you so nervous when an aircraft flies above you? Until recently, we haven't been able to make our control reach as far as a high aircraft. Well, now you have, is that it? Today, their control reaches out into space. Tomorrow, will it girdle the globe? There's nothing you can do to stop us. Leave us alone. Horror Hounds, welcome to episode 9 of the Black Sunday Tapes classic horror. This week we're going to another English classic, one that I haven't seen for a good few years, but one that I really enjoyed, one I wanted Michael to see and I wanted to discuss on this podcast. So this week we're once again in 1960 <laughs> with Village again. of the Damned. Yeah, again, we, we can't get away from this specific year. <laughs> 1960, man, it was a good year for horror. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, really, really good well, year for uh, I think it's where we're I know, going. Next like, week too, I know, I pick a lot of these films, but this isn't by design. I'm not like yeah, picking know, right? these films because they're all from 1960. Like well, normally, we're like, like I'll right now, and we and we're both hitting that same year. Like that, that it's same weird, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I am, uh, of course, familiar with it. Uh, when I was, you know, a young of age and very impressionable by the trailers I saw on television consistently. The John Carpenter version was a trailer I saw a lot, but I never saw the movie. So I, I, this is the first version of this that I had seen. And at some other point in my life, I may not have been ready to uh, receive its genuine creep, but given that everything that we've been watching and discussing and I've been just kind of in love with has been right around here, it was, I, I was just glad that I was watching it now. And I watched, I mean, I watched it twice from front to back. And I don't know, man, like, how about you? How was it for, how was it for you rewatching it? Yeah, interesting, man. It was, like I said, like a lot of these, uh, like I keep bringing up, you know, they're films that had an impression on me at one time or another. I haven't seen them in a few years. So, you know, I want to go back and watch them. I know that a few of these classic horror films you haven't seen. So this is definitely one that was on the agenda. And then we've done a few english classic horror films lately so i thought this was another one that would that would be you know or an english setting that would be good to explore a couple I of really... my notes for like oh this is very english because like can i get you a spot yeah. of tea i was like oh there this is go. english yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good man i really like it 
is a film I really, really like. I like the slow burn of it. I like kind of Very at the much start. So. Yeah, at the start, you kind of like, where is this? Where is this going? Where is this? It doesn't really pick up until the children come well, into yeah, it. Yeah, Andromeda Strain is one of my books. So the way that the this movie opens, I was like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. Right, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. But yeah, as soon as the children are introduced, it really kicks off. And then I kind of like the way they each scene kind of jumps a couple of months, you know, where the kids are, are grown a couple of years. Yeah. And they slowly build that dread that unsettling nature towards these children and then i feel they pay it off in a really really unique way it isn't built on jump scares it isn't built on horror as you imagine it there is but I mean, I, there sci-fi. was a jump scare in this for me. Though. Oh, okay, that's interesting. What was the jump scare? I was so involved in the movie that even though I absolutely knew that Mr. Gas Mask was going to fall, when he fell, I jumped. <laughs> okay, <laughs> interesting. So, I love all these films. Like I said, I'm kind of going back to them, um, rediscovering them a little bit myself. But actually, something that's really fun for me is kind of introducing you to a lot of this and, and seeing you rediscover it and form your opinion on it. So on that note, yeah, how did you say to it, man? What, how did this land with you and what impression did it leave on you? I mean, if you've listened to any of the rest of the episodes, then you know that we're both really into filmmaking, like the, the production qualities and whatnot. And I, I appreciated that there was a lot of not big and bombastic, like the haunting, but very subtle, interesting camera moves. Where, for instance, when the character of Alan, the the military fella, like walks up to the com- the communications guy and grabs the microphone from him and kind of moves to the other side of the car, the way that the camera just kind of follows, found very interesting. And then uh, later on in the film, uh, we'll touch on it later, like the, the the specificity of the lines and whatnot. But there's a there, there's a there's a subtle move that very distinctly highlights. I think it's three or four different characters as it just pans across a hallway, but it uses depth of field in a very interesting way. Yeah. I think a lot, I think this film uses a lot of great techniques that, that you know, the, the most obvious one that stands out for everyone is, you know, it looks a bit ropey today, but you know, back in the day was that kind of freeze frame on the, on the children to, to make their eyes glow. And there's some actually yeah. really interesting shots within that where, to kind it's of break extreme bit of trivia about that too. <laughs> there is actually, yeah. But to break we'll the there. illusion. We'll <laughs> yeah, we will get there. We'll get there. To break <laughs> the illusion of kind of that it's just a still frame, they would kind of cut in other actors like moving. Uh-huh. And it doesn't really gel, you can tell, but back in the day, like man, that terrified people. That was like, yeah. and it, it is really unsettling, and it's a, you know, that close-up shot, the extreme close-up, wow. Is, is, makes it really interesting, yeah. I think it really works, it, it really stands out, and like, on that note, if we're just going to like, touch on and get into the actors for a minute. Yeah, let's do that the, first. Yeah, like David, the the main child in this, this, oh, know, sh- he's straight weird. up like devil child, man. Freaking weird, man. <laughs> Okay, so like I said, I watched it twice, and the first time I watched it, I really found it kind of hard to buy into a lot of the, the, the things that were going on because of the obvious audio dissonance voices being dubbed. And I thought his voice was being dubbed by like some adult woman. I didn't understand what was happening. It was weird. I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. Uh, that 
it was in fact that child's voice and he did in fact dub it over afterwards and that was done purposely to make it unsettling yeah but yeah, it was yeah. just so anyway i hope i hope that that little bramble made sense but when it, so when i watched it the second time it was a lot easier for me to let go and uh it's yeah it's it's it's, fre- it's freaking weird man it works though don't it like i'm not sure if this was the first example of like the creepy kids in horror films that like films like nightmare on elm street would come to play on and stuff like where the girls with the skipping rope and stuff but yeah this is like david's got to be up there with the creepiest kids in cinema history right like he is Mm -hmm. so good i mean they're all good like the the whole collection of children in this are really really good but they obviously make him a focal point they 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 definitely cast interesting not just like acting children but looking children yes yes they did and it really works Mm-hmm. It really, really works, you know. And they they made some interesting choices with the makeup and the way they would design certain elements around them. And again, like you said, you know, we get into some little trivia bits at the end of the episode, like we usually do. But one I'll just touch on right now is to make the children look a little bit different and a little bit alienish. Really, they're obviously all wearing wigs, and mm. the makeup and hair eyes would pad the wigs out. So their mm-hmm. foreheads just looked that you know you'd look at and go, extended. Yeah. doesn't really look right. What what's going on here? But not so much so that you can kind of tell what's going on. Just where you kind of look at them and go, okay, that's unsettling. Something weird about that child. Works really really well, man. I I really really did enjoy the performances of everyone in this film. I think everyone does a great job. But Martin Stevens, who was the child that was playing David, outstanding absolutely outstanding and then for me the the guy that kind of held the whole thing down kind of brought you know he was almost the audience's point of view in my eyes was his dad yeah yeah was played by he was uh, so heartbreakingly british is the only way i can describe it and i I agree by which i mean like like the, the the line that i took it i took like multiple both viewings was uh anthea's son i have no proof he's mine and just the, the the way he delivered that line, damn, but you're still a scientist, so you still have to figure out what's going on, but oh damn, oh damn. <laughs> that was the great that was like the great writing of his character. Right? Was, yeah, was the fact that he was in a very noble position within the village, very well respected, took charge. But then, you know, him and his wife are put in this position where They've got this alien child, and and at first they're, you know, not really sure where it's come from and the origin of this child. And he's, like you said, his heartbreak, his sadness is great, really, really great. If there's one criticism, it's not to do with him, but if there's one criticism about the screenplay, it would be kind of giving the mum a little bit more to do. But we're getting to that because that's one of oh no, I hundred percent feel that same way. We definitely have to get back into that, so make sure that we get into that because I definitely feel the same way. Continue. Well, so. yeah, there's there's definitely um, there's definitely some criticisms to be made there, and, and I think there is a large criticism about the whole film, which I haven't actually seen the Carpenter remake. I would hope that he addressed it in his, but but who knows? But if they ever did remake this film again, I, I would hope they would address it. But yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. But the the actor that portrayed the father was a very well sought after actor called george sanders and the guy had a hell of a career like you know he didn't just have this film all classic horror fans know him for this film 
but he was also in the Hollywood classic All About Eve. He was in Hitchcock's Rebecca, which is getting a Netflix treatment and, and getting remade. They just uh, dropped movie the trailer for show? that. Uh, no, moving. Yeah, they just oh, dropped okay. the uh, trailer for it. It okay. looks quite interesting, actually. And to completely blow people's minds, he is also the voice of Shere Khan the Tiger in the original The Jungle Book. What a fucking, what a bombshell to go from like classic horror sci-fi to All About Eve to yeah, The Jungle Book. but then again, Patton Oswalt is the voice of a rat in a Pixar movie. And if you've it's ever true. heard Patton Oswalt stand up. It's very true. It's very true. <laughs> and that's more modern day, you know, like that's when Disney really are protecting people. So yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> Isn't that yeah, man? But apart from, is there anyone else in the cast that stood out to you? Um, so, so I was touching on the wife, like some of my notes were like, even though she's given essentially nothing, the way that she performs her nothing, and I don't know if you want to get into this now or we can move the cup to it to it later, but the he just smacks her to like smack some sense into her. I was like, what a thin man, much like we're just gonna we're going here. There's got to be another way. Shake some sense into her. You smacked her, and she just takes it. Yeah. <laughs> like you know what? So on that note, let's let's get into it. So how do you? How did you feel? That knocked a pause into me for for like two three minutes. I could not get back into the movie. I was like, yeah. why? Why? I mean, even if that was all just accepted, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, again, I don't know if you've, anyone out there seen the Thin Man. I've seen the first one. I have four of them, but. And where a dude just knocks his wife out to like buy some time and everybody laughs about it to include the wife when she comes to. And I was just undone and didn't watch the franchise. (laughs) So, so, so that goes down and I was like, Ooh, Ooh, okay. Like I'm going to finish the movie right now because I need to, I need to watch and we're going to talk about it, but whoa, whoa. And it's like, like screw all your social justice warrior nonsense. Like the fact that like, that was what they chose to do to break the scene was let's just smack the woman was just weird. (laughs) It was weird. And it was, um, yeah, it was certainly uncalled for. I feel like even in 1960, that was uncalled for, but kind of going off from that, I actually feel the portrayal of women within this film it's quite bad in all honesty. Yeah. You know, and and don't get me wrong, like I, I do they're like all this film. Hard victims. Hard victims. Well, they are and they're not because they're kind of just brushed to the side. Like they're not even given the time to be no, they're, they're within the story. Could they're not just... be a a more clear example of props. Like that's, they're that's the just word. props. That's the perfect word. Yeah. Like they're props. And actually I feel that and again, this may have been addressed in the sequels and the Carpenter remake. I haven't seen any of them. I'm purely going off of this film. I feel there is a very, very interesting story to be told with them. Like these women have essentially been used for alien, you know, advancements. I, I'm not really sure how to describe it, but, you know, wherever these I mean, children like, come it's never from, made 100% clear, but that's definitely even in some of the of the time press it was it was supposed to be alien influence yeah. for sure yeah yeah and and the other thing for me is i feel there's a real interesting there's a real interesting argument to be made about how you could tie this into and this is going to be quite controversial me saying this but you could tie this into christianity a little bit the whole idea of god just kind of using mary to deliver his child she didn't choose that that was just that was just forced upon her, mm. and I feel like 
and then again like in in those stories mayor is just brushed to the side and i feel like within this film they do exactly the same and yeah, that's definitely yeah. wrong and it's not only wrong it's actually a, a, a real real travesty to the story because i feel like there's a much more interesting argument to be made about how this has affected the mothers exactly than Thank how it you. would than how it would affect the the fathers but even to the point where like like they focus so hard on the fathers that like the guy i affectionately referred to as british ernest borgnine the uh, uh actor's name is thomas heathcote heathcote i i don't know how to pronounce your name sir the the uh the guy whose wife was uh pregnant after he'd been gone for a year yes. and just flew yeah. into a rage just, like yeah. i i the first view like there was a disconnect in my brain i didn't know why he was angry at his like, like his wife essentially oh, okay. Okay. but like, because the doctor about like how could i possibly be pregnant i haven't had sex and so <laughs> the second time through at theodore logan like that conversation made a lot more sense this time in my brain <laughs> like, right okay yeah but like that the woman freaked out that she couldn't possibly be pregnant because she hadn't had sex it was all about him like it was ridiculous well this whole film is this whole film is is pushed to how it affects the men mm-hmm. in the village and how it affects their standing and you know i don't just want to talk about films on this podcast that i enjoy and then i can rant and rave about and i you know i can get you to watch and then we both can rant and rave about and without bringing up the controversial sides of it and i think it's nearly impossible when you're talking classic horror because nearly every film needs to have something controversial in it i feel like the the way women are portrayed in this film is not good and i feel like you can still i feel like there there is a way you can still enjoy this film from the kid's point of view i feel that's the way i definitely watch it it's from the child's point of view but yeah there is a real shame that the women were pushed to the side as much as they were especially because i feel what they were given to do the very little they were given to do was actually some of the best work in the film i feel like some of definitely the most interesting in terms of where it's coming from for sure well barbara shelley who plays uh david's mum, i thought she was amazing she was really good like she won't like she's great like towards the end of the film when david randomly turns up in the house and then can she walks out and sees him like just the terror on her face Mm -hmm. outstanding man absolutely outstanding yeah, no, and I mean, not to jump way ahead, but the tiniest little bit of trivia about her. Apparently, the scene where the child forces her to stick her hand in boiling water, her scream could be heard for two blocks when wow. she filmed that. Wow. <laughs> right? That's pretty that's, amazing. There you go. That, that, that's an impressive set of pipes. <laughs> that is. That is. So I think, like, kind of rounding out the cast, I do feel like the cast work really well with what they've got i feel like there's obviously some bad choices made within the screenplay and the direction this film is taken by cutting the mother's reactions out i couldn't really find why that was the case other than it was 1960 which kind of crazy to me but you know then run everything yeah anyway (laughs) oh so uh one of the things i really appreciated like again like little things really kind of like speak to me is just the performance and the filmmaking of the entire sequence where I guess like one of the villagers has just discovered that has just found out all the information about all these women being pregnant and it follows him out of a house over to a pub. 
and it like there's a it's on the on the production side of it there's like a a small camera move that ends on a dutch angle of the pub and then he walks into the pub gets himself a pint sits down says i hope none of them survive and his delivery of it was just such contained rage yeah i love that and like and when i think of the movie i'm probably going to think of that scene and a couple and a handful of others because it was it spoke to me anyway no i completely agree and like like i said if you're just going on what is in this film i feel like they all do really really well with it despite my clear reservations about the the treatment of the female characters and what i feel would be a far more interesting story and what you feel would be a far more interesting story actually really appreciate a village of the damn diverse like can we just get a movie about all of the timeouts please do you know what it would it would be it would make for a really really good tv show it would like an anthology style yeah like you could you could totally like american horror story it or you each individual 45 minute episode is about a different timeout that would be great it would be great i'd love to see i'd love to see him do that and i think there's definitely room in this for them to remake this again you know like there's always an argument to be made right of why would you remake something why would you and you know i if you listen to my other podcast you know i'm always going on about original content and why Mm -hmm. you know why do this why do that why not just do original content i feel like if you are going to remake these are the reasons you remake because you realize that in the original for whatever reason maybe it was the time maybe it was someone's you know inner politics whatever it was there was a real misstep taken with the story that could have been told or there's a different angle on that story that actually would probably be far more interesting than the original i feel like this is one of them i really do yeah. i feel like this story retold but from the mother's point of view man i'd love to see that i'd love to do you know what? as a filmmaker i'd love to make something like that i feel like that would be right or, or i would like to i would like to produce that i think like if you're going to do it properly you've got to give it to a female filmmaker preferably uh, okay. I think, I think make it yeah. as a mum. I feel like yeah, yeah, if you could get a, if you could get a filmmaker behind this who is a mother, well, that would be cool because then she'd know, she'd know exactly the story she's trying to tell. You and know, you, having you find that person with that talent that's got the writer and the director, the boom, there you go. Oh man, like, like that singular that. vision. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. That would be, that would be outstanding. And I, I think that's the reason why you should remake stuff. And I definitely think this has got the option for that or if you were going to do it as a tv show there's a load of ways you could do the tv show but i would love to see a a tv show set within the village where you follow loads of different characters you follow the Mm -hmm. mothers you follow the fathers you follow the you know you follow the the kids that are not the the damned kids right (laughs) the normal children that aren't touched upon this at all (laughs) well no they're they're like touch on it once right and they're like they're bullies oh i totally forgot yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. they're like but that's it but that's it and like okay fair enough like you can't include everyone but yeah again man there's so many interesting ideas that you can do with this there's so many interesting ways you can play with this story i'd be very very interested to see someone pick this back up and bring a load of different voices in to tell it i think that would be really 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 interesting so what else you got dude well one of the things I loved most, and uh, I, when, the first time I watched it, I was watching it with, with my girlfriend, and uh, we both laughed quite heartily when, it's such a beautiful baby, and the dog just growls. If your dog doesn't like your baby, there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, 
interesting camera work when the kids swarm around uh Gordon and it's 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 like an overhead shot and you see the kids just like circle staring up at him from behind. Yeah. He doesn't maybe he does or doesn't realize that they're there, but they don't care. They're just staring at him with creepy kidness. I don't know what else you want to call it. <laughs> like it was I just loved that 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 whole fifteen second sequence, man. It was amazing. Yeah, there were there were some great choices. There really were some great choices. That's what I was saying. Like, despite our reservations about the way this story was told overall and, and certain voices that were cut out, again, what they had to work with, what they did make, really good, man. Most really, definitely. really like it. And you know, like the it, it like from a, from a business, it 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 got itself in a real nice return. Uh, made for less than three hundred thousand dollars. The uh, picture grossed more than 1.5 million during its yeah. initial release in England and the U.S. An astonishing sum in 1960, according to this Turner Classic Movie article. Well, <laughs> so on that note, what it sounds like from everything we've been talking about, we've watched exactly the same version. And I imagine right now... There's another version? When it was originally released, it was originally released in the U.K. first, I believe, and then a couple of months later it was released in the U.S. And... Yeah, there was two different prints. Two completely... They changed certain things for the American audience. But I can't... For some reason, I can't seem to find if those two exist uh, anymore. It just seems like now there is one concrete version, which I can imagine was the English version because that was the unaltered version, if you will. I purchased mine from the Microsoft Marketplace, so I honestly don't know what cut it is. I think it's probably... I think right now, I think there's probably just one cut. But I'd be oh. interested to see what the um. So you I'd got it on Blu-ray, see. right? So yeah, like, I got it on like, how, yeah. how, how did that look? Because my 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 copy was standard def, not high def. Oh, it's good, man. On Blu-ray, it looked really, really good. It transferred right really, really well. Yeah, man, really well. They've done. It, it, yeah. Yeah, like whoever it's MGM, isn't it? So MGM knows how to look after their prints, man. We've done a few MGM films on this podcast, and they know yeah. how to look after their stuff. They really do. I'm the subject of subtle but very interesting camera work. Um, just the scene where Gordon and Anthea just wake up. There's a lot of very little moving, like from the floor as somebody stands up to a desk and then just kind of panning, just touch around the room as somebody else enters the frame and stuff like that. Of like course, I yeah. thought it was very, very interesting. I've touched on all the ones that I think really stood out to me. Was there anything I haven't touched on in terms of camera work and or visuals that, that spoke to you? Mainly what you've covered. I, I'm always very interested in technology from back in the day so mm-hmm. you know while, while that heavy ass phones and whatnot <laughs> uh no i mean like the the special effects technology oh, and stuff like that so yeah so like with the glowing eyes and how they achieve that and i know i've already touched on that but it's kind of stuff like that that really kind of gets me it's like oh okay how how did you achieve that how did you you know like there's been a few films we touched on recently like the uninvited or house on haunted hill where couple of the ghost effects you know it just really fascinates me how they achieved that and how they done that before green screen or visual effects you know and yeah to, so so on that note let's touch on the i touched on it briefly earlier about their eyes and the way it was just a locked off shot and the way that was fully achieved was they would basically take a negative of the image and, and lay it over the eyes of the pupils as they kind of use their powers and i believe when this originally come out like i said it was released in the uk first what was really interesting was that effect of the glowing eyes 
our border classification in the UK actually deem that too frightening. Okay. So that was removed from the British print. And I don't know if it was kept in the American one uh, when it was released a couple of months later. But yeah, it was uh, it was completely removed because it was considered too frightening. So those, I believe it's the word, the locked off shots. But the locked off shots were literally just the kids staring. There were no glowing eyes in the original release. There you go. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's quite weird. I don't know how it would really work without the glowing eyes. A creepy stare is still a creepy stare. To the point where in uh, some of the... um... So I discovered a press kit from the original release era from MGM. And some of the information that it contained in there was was hilarious to me in as much as it was a completely written radio ad minus your local theater's name. It was a fully written, like quadrant of a newspaper article minus a byline right. and it was just like i mean i've always known that like there's manipulation in all you know like media trying to get you to watch other media that's the point of, of it but yep. at the same time i was like oh they're just like people will come see our movie in your area do it do it like <laughs> it was i don't know it was it was one of the things that they did was they suggested that a radio station have a hypnotic eyes contest like <laughs> wow, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Send in, send in Polaroids your eyes, and the most hypnotic eyes win. And they even had, in, in the event of a tie, have a I really want to see Village of the Damned because letter writing campaign. It's <laughs> like, oh wow, like you just think so much of yourselves. But also in 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 that same press, uh, they had some interesting behind the scenes stuff where they, apparently they interviewed 178 kids to get to whittle it down to those 12. And yes. Yeah, I did see some of the things yeah. that they. Oh, you you read some of it? Go ahead. What did you read about it? Well, no, just about the extensive process of trying to cast the children. It was quite a. From what I read of the casting, everything was quite straightforward. Apart from the children, they really, really went out of their way to find the right kids for this. And then obviously they, this is Village of Dam is actually based on a book, and within the book, I believe the alien there's about sixty alien children part of the audition process wasn't just does the kid have an interesting look it was they said look at us like we've made you as angry as you possibly could be and you want us to die and so a lot of the 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 way that those specific children could look in response to small direction was part of that entire casting process that's interesting yeah i thought so yeah it's very interesting man and just to kind of touch back on the book a little bit briefly of what we're saying the this book was quite sought after so much so that the director of this film actually purchased the rights to the film before the book was even published it was like one of those situations it where was a there jurassic was so... park situation <laughs> yeah basically yeah it was where it was so hotly anticipated that so yeah the director just went out and purchased the it what the this book yeah, so the, 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 the film Village of the Damned is based on a book called The Midwich Cuckoos. And if The Midwich Cuckoos at first strikes you as an odd title, it did me as well. Until I recalled, uh, do you know anything about the cuckoo bird? No. So the way the cuckoo bird operates is it lays its egg in someone else's nest. And the, the bird 
Destin is, is so confused by the fact that there's an egg that is kind of okay. clearly not theirs, but it's also an egg that, yeah. it, that it takes care of the child regardless. Usually, the, the, the embryo that comes out of it usually kills the other children. So, yeah, it seems a little odd at first, but, oh, Midwich Cuckoos, I get it. Makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Still a weird name, though. Still a strange name. Oh, I'm glad they changed it for the film. Tongue, but... No, yeah, I'm glad no, they changed so it for the film. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> what have you got? Like like normal man, I, I've kind of thrown out a lot of the stuff I found interesting already. But yeah, what have you got, dude? So a little bit of trivia I found interesting was that uh given that we just did the uninvited, was that Russ Tamblin was originally tapped to star oh, in Village yeah, of the Damned. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah. That's quite interesting, isn't it? That would be funny uh, if he did. That'd be funny if he did. That would be a great um it would be a very thing, different so. performance, but it would have been interesting. I agree. Oh, it would have been a yeah, hell of a different performance. It really, it really, really would have. But yeah, that kind of brings it back around to what we were saying about like people being tied to studios and studios just trying to get the same people into films all the time, which is quite interesting because probably the last bit of trivia from me, which, which you know, you already touched on about how this was quite a big hit. And MGM did not see it that way at all. They literally had no faith in it, so much so that they didn't screen it for critics. They. They did run some press, but not as much press as they normally do. They really didn't bother with this film because they, they just thought it was going to sink, to be honest. And yeah, it went on to be a sleeper hit, man. Like you said, it was made for a fairly modest budget for the day, especially for kind of a sci-fi horror picture. Mm-hmm. Went on to make a, a nice chunk of change. So yeah, it become a nice sleeper hit for MGM. And just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes if you don't have the studio backing, you can still become a real classic. The only other bit of trivia that I found really kind of interesting was uh, there's a priest who's asked about all the pregnant women in the village, and he mentions that one of them is named Evelyn Harrington, and George Sanders, as we touched upon, was in All About Eve, and the full name of the movie's character was Eve Harrington. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So uh, I found found that pretty funny. All right, man. Yeah, I think that's that's it for me. There isn't isn't too much uh, around this film. But I think like the the biggest talking point, and, and I'm really glad we covered it, is though we both like this film, though we both really enjoy it. And like I said, it's one I watched years ago, it's one I went back to, it's one I wanted to bring up in this podcast. I'm really, really glad that we touched on the idea of the way the women are portrayed in this film, the way the mothers are kind of discarded after they've given birth. And I mean, I'll absolutely go back to it, but yeah, it's... Oh, hell yeah, definitely. I, it, like I said, I mean, what they've done... Again, they've toss done really away well. all the social nonsense. Like, it's just... It, it, if... Even if it hadn't been de rigueur to, to 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 feel that it would be weird to treat women like that, it would have felt weird to treat the women like that to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, you know, especially when the the kind of virgin birth and then the children are mm-hmm. your whole fucking film. So mm-hmm. to then disregard the people that are clearly most affected by that. That are responsible is, for yeah. said birth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's crazy. But like I said, if you are going to pick stuff up if you are going to remake stuff i think there's room to do this one and do this one correctly so yeah on that note i think we'll leave it there for this week please let us know what you think i know that there's a few listeners out there that are mothers so i would actually be very very interested to know your thoughts on this you know can you can you enjoy this film how you know what's your outlook on it and what would be your opinion of of a remake really and yeah i think that's it from me buddy anything else from you uh, I just, I truly appreciate everybody tuning in and interacting and letting us know what they think. And, you know, at some 
point in the in the next couple episodes, we'll open it up to you guys to suggest a, a film, see what happens. It's definitely going to happen. There's plans in the works for it. It's coming. You'll be able to pick. Don't worry, it's happening. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in again. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. Like Michael said, it really does mean the world to us. I know, you know, we're saying that every week, but we do because, you know, this, this podcast is growing way beyond uh, kind of what I expected within the first few weeks when I pitched this to Michael and, and on the other podcast when I pitched it to Chris. You know, I, I hoped that we would have a, have a few listeners and this is, yeah, this is blowing up beyond what I had hoped and, and I hope, we're, you know, we're going to keep growing and we're going to keep doing something. So, yeah, that's 100%. all on you guys. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much. And, yeah, let's leave it there. So until next week, Horror Hounds, stay safe. Take care, everybody. Bye.